It's good to be with you all this morning. Hey, I know Elle gave them a shout out, but can we just do it again? Can we give it up for our City Youth Worship Team? They do a great job, such a great time every time. Um, and I gotta give a little shout out, okay? Um, on the bass here, we had Caleb, okay? Caleb was on the bass. He did a great job, and also, I just gotta shout out the parents, okay? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but um, they recently moved houses. They used to live about 10 minutes away, now they live over an hour away. And it would have been very easy for the parents to say, you know what, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I don't wanna come out to the Thursday rehearsal and to be here before 7 a.m., crazy. But hey, they, they said, you know what, this is, this is important. This is something significant. I think that's very special. Because they recognize there's something about being here, being involved, and it's just something that for them, they, they don't want their son to miss out on that experience. And I think that's really special. Also, I gotta say, um, Michaela, who is with us, and she sang, she sang that hymn. And I just wanna say, she did a great job. Um, and it's, so there's something very beautiful about hearing a 12-year-old sing a hymn that is over 100 years old, isn't it? That's amazing. That's, that shows me that God is still working, right, in people in the next generation, and that I believe this church will last because God is, God is working. God is working in the next generation. I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, well, I'm happy to be with you this morning to conclude our Summer Sundays series. Um, as I was thinking and praying about uh, what to uh, share with you this morning, I remembered um, a question that my wife asks me often. And if you're married, maybe your wife asks you this question as well. But sometimes we'll be sitting together and we'll just be um, just doing whatever, watching TV or just sitting. And she'll ask me, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Because I'll just be, I'm in my head a lot. And so she'll ask me, what am I thinking about? And so that question always catches me off guard. I'm still not used to that question because sometimes more often than I'd like to admit, I don't really know how to answer that question because as I'm thinking, sometimes I know what I'm thinking about, but more often than I realize, I, I don't know. I'm not super clear about what I'm thinking about. I'm just lost in my thought. Have you ever been lost in a thought before? That you're just going down a cycle and you just, you don't know where it started, you don't know where it's taken you, but you're in thought and you just don't know what's going on. And for me, I think that's a, it's a good indicator that we need to consider our thoughts, right? And I realize this for myself. We need to think about our thoughts. We need to think about what, we're thinking about. If we don't think about what we're thinking about, then our thoughts will just come and they'll keep going and we'll just accept whatever thoughts come our way. But I think it's important that we think about what we are thinking about. You know, our brain allows us to think, right? Our brain lets us think. And the brain is really, really in insane. It's crazy. And I'm not nearly smart enough to explain the complexities of it. But I will say this, that our brain allows us to sense the world around us, right? We know that we see with our eyes, we, we feel with our hands, we smell with our nose, but we don't actually, we don't actually see with our eyes. We see with our brain. Our brain allows us 
to see things. Our brain allows us to feel things and to sense the world around us. That's our brain working. And our brain allows us to think. Our brain is what helps us to think. Without that, we wouldn't be able to think. Our brain stores memories and beliefs and our attitudes. And those are the things that when we, when we observe something in life, our brain takes that observation and it filters it through all those memories, through those beliefs, through those attitudes, and it gives birth to a thought. And that thought is within us and we don't even realize it most of the time. But why I'm bringing this up is because it's so important that we think about our thoughts. We think about what is going on inside of our head. Because if we don't think about it, then we'll be numb to whatever happens. But we have to think about what we're thinking about. And I think um, it's, it's so important because what I want to talk about for these next few moments is that we have the ability to influence our whole reality with our thoughts. It's not just a simple thing. Our thoughts are so significant. And they, they impact the world around us. They impact our reality. And if we can change our thoughts... I believe we can change our lives. I want to give you an example. There was a study done um, at Harvard a few years ago, and what they did was they, they surveyed um, a bunch of hotel maids. Okay, They surveyed a bunch of hotel maids, and they basically asked them this question. Do you believe that your work um, gives you enough exercise? Do you believe that you, ha- you do enough exercise on a daily basis? And of that group that they surveyed, about 100 of them said no. We do not get enough exercise on a daily basis. Now, if you imagine a hotel maid, they do a lot of work. They do a lot of physical labor, going up and down stairs, doing those work. They they get a lot of exercise. But of that group, 100 of them said, we do not get enough exercise. So what they did was they broke that group in half. They took 50 of them and another 50. And they told one group of 50, actually, you do get enough exercise. You get more than enough exercise than you actually need. You're doing a lot better than you think you are. And then they took the other group and they said nothing to them. And so what they did was they let them both go back to work as usual. And what they found was that over the course of a month, by the end of that month, they found out that the group uh, that they told that information to had actually lost weight and their blood pressure decreased over that month. But the group that they told nothing to, they stayed relatively the same. So what does that tell us? There's something about our thoughts that changes the way we live. There's something about our thoughts that changes our reality. Our thoughts do not stay as thoughts. Our thoughts translate to our reality, to our physical world in a unique way, in a way that maybe we don't realize. I've titled this message, World Builders. Okay, World Builders. And I want us to imagine for our time together today that our brains are like a mental toolbox. Okay, imagine your brain as a mental toolbox and inside that toolbox are thoughts and our thoughts are the tools. Okay, our thoughts are the tools. If we think about a real toolbox, there's a variety of different tools in any toolbox, right? And they're all designed for different situations, right? But they're all designed to do one of two things. Every tool is designed to either build something or break something, right? We can take a hammer, for instance. A hammer, I could take a hammer and some nails and build something. But I could also use a hammer to remove some nails, right? And I know that's obvious, but I want us to consider our thoughts to be like this. 
that our thoughts are like tools that we are using to build the world around us. Our thoughts are adding to the reality that we face. Our, our thoughts are like tools. And if we don't pay attention to the tools that we're using, we will be worse off than if we do pay attention to them, right? So our thoughts are like tools. And the reason I believe that thoughts can influence our reality in such a significant way is because our thoughts more often, I think, than we realize don't stay as thoughts. Our thoughts don't just stay as thoughts. Our thoughts, if we allow them to, they move through a cycle. They move through a thought cycle. We have a diagram that we want to uh, show you, and I'll walk you through this. But this thought cycle, um, a thought, if you allow it to, a thought will determine your feelings, okay? And your feelings will influence your actions. And then your actions will reinforce the thought that came in the first place, if we allow it to. Our thoughts determine our feelings. Our feelings influence our actions. And our actions reinforce our thoughts. And so it translates to actions. It doesn't just stay in our thoughts, but it, it works its way through the cycle and ends up being something that we live out if we're not careful with it. So let's talk about our thoughts. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is this saying to us? Transformation in life is achieved through the mind. Transformation is achieved through the mind. That if we want to live differently, we need to think differently. It's no light thing. It's nothing that we need to scoff at. Our thoughts are doing something very powerful in our lives. You know, when God created the world, he created Adam and Eve. And they messed up eventually. They sinned. They decided for themselves to take control. And then their descendants did the same thing. They sinned. And then their descendants. And then their descendants. And so on and so on it went. And everyone just kept seemed to messing up. And then eventually, God says this. In Genesis chapter 6, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The thoughts of the human heart. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? The thoughts of the human heart. What are the thoughts of our heart? There's a connection being made there between our thoughts and our heart. And Jesus Jesus plays on that same connection as well. In Matthew chapter 9, it says this. In Matthew chapter 9, it says, Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Jesus, knowing the thoughts of man, knowing the thoughts of the people that he's speaking with, he knows it, but he asks them, Why do you entertain these thoughts? Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? I know we have thoughts that come in and we don't control the thoughts and we can't always um, understand why we think certain thoughts, but what thoughts are you entertaining in your, in your life, in your heart? What thoughts are you giving space to? To entertain a thought is to allow it in, is to let the thought in and let it stay. Let it, let it make itself comfortable. What thoughts in your life, in your heart, are you entertaining? Are you allowing in your life in that way? And Jesus also says in Matthew 
chapter 15, he continues on this idea and he says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. That's a pretty powerful list, isn't it? But out of the heart come these thoughts. And if you look at that list, those are, we, those are actionable things, right? When we hear the word, when we see the word murder, we don't think a thought. We think of an action. And these are the things that can result in action, but they start as thoughts. And they start in our heart as well. So what we got to realize is that our mind and our heart are closely linked. Our mind and our heart are more closely linked than we think they are. Our thoughts and our feelings have more of a connection than we might assume. Our thoughts determine our feelings. If I think a negative thought, I'm more likely to feel negatively as a result of that. Now in the Psalms, um, David writes a lot of the Psalms and he's an emotional guy. Okay, so I'm going to read you a few of these, a few of these Psalms. Psalm chapter 38, verse 4. It says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Have you ever had guilt before? Have you ever felt sorry about something? Have you ever felt like David has felt overwhelmed with your guilt, carrying it like a burden? David knows what that feels like. Next one, 42, 11, says this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He's talking about his soul, and have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt your soul just in downcast? Have you ever felt disturbed within yourself? David is fighting that. He's fighting that, that feeling, but he's also giving praise to God, and he's saying, my hope is in God. That's, that's a struggle for David. It's a struggle for us as well. The next one, Psalm chapter 6 says this, I am worn out from my groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and I drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Have you ever felt like this? If, you, if you're feeling certain ways, you can go to the Psalms and some of what David says can resonate with you. Um, and I don't think our feelings should be trusted all the time, right? I don't think our feelings are necessarily true all the time. And I don't think our feelings are necessarily right or wrong. I think our feelings are an internal reaction to what we're thinking much of the time. Our thoughts, our feelings are an internal reaction to what we're thinking. And this is the part, this is really important. This is the part in the cycle where things become visible, right? Our thoughts and our feelings they are personal and they are invisible to other people, right? But our actions are visible. Our actions are what make it to reality. Our actions are the thing that other people see. And so when we consider our actions, we have to consider our feelings. We have to consider our thoughts. But we have a choice to make at this point. We have a choice to make. Are we going to act out of our feelings, or are we going to act in some ways in spite of our feelings? Are we going to choose to act out of our feelings? Or are we going to choose to kind of act in an opposite way? It's not always good. You know this. It's not always good to act out of your feelings, right? To act in a way that resonates with how you feel. If everyone did what they felt like doing all the time, we would be in much more of a mess than we currently are. Things would be worse if everyone 
acted out of their feelings all of the time. But we have a choice to make, and our actions are very important. James talks a lot about actions, and he says this. uh, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. James talks a lot about faith and how faith on its own is not enough, but we need action to back up that faith. And we see that a person is considered righteous by what? Their actions. By their actions. And if we want to live in righteousness, we are made righteous because of God. We are made righteous because of God. And if we want to act in that way, we got to think that way. If we think that we are righteous, if we think that we are made right in God's sight because of what Jesus has done, then we'll begin to feel that in our hearts. We'll begin to embody that in our emotions. We'll start to feel, I am called. I am chosen by God. I am made righteous in him. And then our actions will reflect that. And if we act in that way, then our thought will be reinforced that yes, I am righteous because God has made it so. Our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, they're all connected. They're deeply connected in a way that we might not realize. Let me give you um, an example from my life. This is a very quick process, a quick cycle, and we don't often realize that it's happening, that our thoughts, our feelings, our actions are all connected, but they are, and I'm kind of drawing it out. I'm zooming in a little bit so that we can understand it a little bit, but let me give you a quick example from my own life. I used to have this thought. I don't think this anymore, but I used to have this thought, um, and I, I didn't realize I was having this thought until it hit me, but I would think this. I would think people, people don't really like me. They just tolerate me. People don't really like me. They just tolerate me. That's a thought that I had, a recurring thought. And so when if, if I'm thinking that thought, I'm not even aware that I'm thinking that thought. What is happening to my feelings? How am I feeling if I'm thinking that thought? Well, I, I would feel lonely, right? I would feel lonely even if I was around other people. Even if I was in a group of people, I would feel lonely because my thought is that these people don't, really like me. They just, they're just tolerating me for this moment. And so I would feel lonely. And then out of, that, out of that feeling, what is my action, right? I have choices to make in my actions. Am I going to pursue something a little bit different? Am I going to try and make an effort to build relationships with other people? No, what I did, and this is much easier to do, it's much easier to act out of your feelings than to go against them. But what I did was I would just withdraw isolate myself. If I feel lonely because of a thought, my action is I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to sit by myself. And now what happens? What happens when I sit by myself? No one talks to me. And that just reinforces my thought that no one likes me. See, I knew it. No one likes me because no one's talking to me. No one's talking to me because I'm sitting in a corner by myself. I'm not making any effort, right? But when we, when we think and when we feel Those are deeply personal things. And it's easy for me now to observe that scenario, for you as well maybe to observe that scenario and say, yeah, just go talk to people and you'll get over it. But it's hard when you're in that moment because it's it's something that's personal to you and you can't quite get out of it. But our actions are reflective of our thoughts and our feelings and we we have to break out of that a little bit. And I think part of the way we can break out of that is by thinking critically. We have to think critically about our own thoughts, right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes about this. He says, for though we live in the world, 
We do not wage war as the world does. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love this, this language that Paul uses. He's using um, like a battle metaphor. And I want you to hold on to that image. I want you to hold on to that image of a battle as we revisit it a little bit later. But we wage war. We take captive every thought. Are you taking captive the thoughts that enter your mind? How many thoughts are you just allowing to pass through? To take something captive is to say, hold on, wait a second. You're not allowed in just yet. We need to do some tests first. We need to have a little conversation first. We need to have more conversations with our thoughts. We need to think a little bit more critically about our own thoughts. I think we should be our own most intense critic when it comes to our thoughts. No one else is holding you accountable for your thoughts. There is no thought police, but our thoughts matter. And so who's going to hold you accountable? You need to do that. You need to think critically about your thoughts. Because if you don't, no one else will. And if we think critically, if we hold on to some of those thoughts, we take captive of those thoughts, then we'll limit how many can go through that cycle. But if we don't do that, then we're just letting thoughts in. We're letting thoughts that don't belong with us. We're letting them in and we're letting them influence our feelings and our actions. And this is not the way that God wants for us. God wants us to live out of his word, out of his truth. And part of thinking critically, I think, about our own thoughts is realizing when we need to upgrade our tools, right? Remember that our thoughts are like tools and our brains are a mental toolbox. And part of thinking critically is knowing what you have to work with, right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul again writes this. He says, when I was a child... I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. When I was a child, I thought like a child. But eventually, I grew up, right? I grew up and I stopped thinking like a child. It's time, this speaks about maturity, right? And maturity, I think, has little to do with age. We can, be, uh, we can be mature in age, but immature in thought. That is possible. We have some junior highs in the room today. And, you know, even for junior highs, you're 12, 13, it's time to stop acting like you're eight, right? And in order to stop acting like you're eight, you've got to stop thinking like you're eight. And for me as well, I'm 29. And sometimes, if I'm honest, I have some thoughts come to me, and they're, they're, I, I recognize those thoughts, and I think, that's a 19-year-old thought. Come on. What am I doing? I'm thinking like a teenager. I've got to put that behind me now. But it's so hard sometimes, isn't it? And I'm saying, you can be 50 and think immature thoughts still, right? We all have to grow up separately from our age, from our body, we have to grow up in our mind. We have to renew our mind constantly and allow God to work in that. But if we don't know what we're working with, then how will we know? We got to know the kind of tools that we're working with. I feel like if we're, not, if we're not critical about our thoughts, then we don't realize what kind of tools we're working with. And if we don't realize what tools we're working with, we realize that we're working with a toolkit that we have far 
outgrown, right? So this is, I stole this from City Kids. Um, <laughs> if we take these two things, these are the same thing, right? These are both hammers, but I'm not going to build something with this, right? Why? Because it's a toy. It's plastic. But if our thoughts are like tools, then we got to realize that some of us, without thinking critically, without being aware of our thoughts, we are trying to build the world around us. We are trying to build houses with Fisher-Price tools, and nothing is, is staying up. And we're wondering what's happening with our lives. We're wondering why things are crumbling around us, why things aren't staying up. It's because you're working with toys. You're working with childish thoughts, and it's time to grow up. I feel this myself a lot of times. It's time for me to grow up. And we can revert back to old ways. We can revert back to old thoughts. But it's so hard. We have to continually renew our mind, renew our thoughts, and remember that it is time to grow up. Now, let me give you one more um, example from Scripture, and then we'll be finished for, for the morning. Um, I want to tell you again about a man named David. Okay, we read about the Psalms, and David wrote those Psalms, and David felt a lot of things. And I want, to, I want to give you an example from David's life. It's an example that's very popular, and you may have heard this before. But David, I want to walk you through this cycle a little bit and see kind of what David's thoughts, feelings, and actions were in this moment, and then what resulted because of that. So let's read this in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11. It says this, In the springtime, when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Now let's hold on here for a second. David, David was king. Okay? David has been king um, for about 20 years. He's maybe in his 50s at this point. Okay? And David sent his people out to war, which is a common thing. Um, but usually what happens with kings at this time, is that they would go to war with them, right? They would be there with them. And this time in particular, David stays back. David remained, the writer tells us, where he was. And at the very least, that's an interesting point, okay? To include that David remained while the others went, when the expectation is that he would go with them. But then it goes on. It says, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. First of all, why is he sleeping at this time? He's taking a little evening nap, right? It's not nighttime, it's evening. David is taking a little nap. You're the king, man. What are you doing? You're supposed to go out to war, but you stayed back and you're taking a nap. I don't know. David got up from his bed, walked around on the roof of the palace. The, the roofs were flat at this time. And so from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. Do you see what's happening here? David notices a woman bathing, and he's, he's interested. He's intrigued. So he sends his people to go find out more information about her. And then it goes on. It says, the man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Okay, so this person who went to go find out more information, he's telling David, hey, this is someone's daughter. More importantly, this is someone's wife. Okay, be careful about what your next move is, King David. But then David sent messengers to go get her. She came to him and he slept with her. He didn't 
we don't see any record of him thinking this through, of considering his options. But he goes ahead and says, you know what? Yeah, bring her to me, okay? And they slept together. And then it goes on. It says this. Then she, Bathsheba, went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. Okay, this is not what David wanted. David had a thought. And obviously we can't read David's mind. But he had an observation, right? He saw a woman bathing. It's not too hard to put two and two together. He had a thought. And also, he's the king. So he can kind of do what he wants. He can get away with things that other people can't. And so he had, a, he had a feeling. What was his feeling? He felt desire. He felt pulled towards something that he saw. And what was the action that he took? He said, bring her to me. Was this the wise action? No, of course not. But David used his power combined with his desire to get what he wanted. And we see that it doesn't really, it doesn't really end up the way that he wants it to because she gets pregnant. So David, I'm not going to read these verses, but David comes up with a plan. Bathsheba's husband is at war currently. And David um, comes up with a plan to have him killed in battle. So David thinks, you know, no more husband, no more problem. We're good. So he does it, it works. And then the chapter ends like this. In verse 27, it says this. After the time of mourning was over, David had Bathsheba brought to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. And they lived happily ever after. Right? No, of course not. Right? This is not a fairy tale. That's what's so great about the Bible. This is life. It's life from a time ago, but we are still humans. And that's why this relates to us. What it says is the thing David had done displeased the Lord. And that's how the chapter ends. The story continues, but that's how the chapter ends. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. And for me, as I'm reading that, that just hangs there. David he went through this whole process. He made actions that he shouldn't have made. And on the surface, it looks like he got away with it because he's the king. He did all these things. And then his actions, when he got away with them, it reinforces his thought that I'm the king. I can get away with whatever I want. And on the surface, it appears like he did, but God wasn't done with him. God wasn't satisfied with him. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. And I know it's, it's easy to look at David. It's easy for me objectively to look at David and say, you're a fool to just abuse your power like this, to take advantage of people, to think these things and to feel these things. It's easy to cast shame and judgment on a man we've never met, but only re read about. But what about us, right? What about our thoughts? What about the things going on in our hearts that we need to pay attention to? I think for David, a little bit about him staying back. I think there's, there's something to be said about his laziness. I think David may have gotten a little bit lazy in his, in his tenure as king. Maybe it's laziness with his, with his work. Maybe it's laziness with his issues of lust. But what 
happened with David is that he thought what we often think is that we can be lazy in one area and have it not affect anything else. But lazy leaks. If we are lazy in one area, it'll trickle through the rest of our life. What is the thing that you are lazy about in your life? What is the thing that you're just kind of holding out? You don't want God to deal with that thing. God can be Lord over your whole life except for that one area. What are you holding on to that if you did, God would just take all of you, right? What is that thing that you're not willing to let go of because it's, it's something that you don't want to deal with? It's something that you love and you cherish, something that you're not willing to give up. You got to know, and I got to know that our laziness in one area leaks through our whole life. David's laziness with dealing with his, his issues of lust, with not giving any thought to his actions and how that would be perceived and how it would play out. It translates to his laziness and his calling to what God has placed on his life. And it's a tragic thing. Now David could have, David could have done what we should also do in our lives, and that's act in integrity, right? What's integrity? Integrity is choosing what's right over what's easy. Integrity is the thing that will guard our head, will guard our heart, and will guard our hands, choosing what's right over what's easy. God uses um, a prophet named Nathan to kind of help David, to advise David. And after this whole incident, happens. Nathan goes to David and he tells him this story, but he says this. This is from God being spoken by Nathan. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Why did you despise the word of the Lord? God has called you, David, to so many great things, to a life and a legacy of greatness. Why did you despise that word? Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes. David acted in evil because he thought evil. His thoughts were left unchallenged, uncriticized by himself. He acted in the way that he felt like acting, but he despised the word of the Lord at the same time. I think part of us getting new tools for our thought life is getting into the word of God, right? We gotta, we gotta be in this. We got to be really in this. I don't know about you, but when I'm not in the word of God, my thought life is a little bit messed up. I don't know if I can be honest with you today, but this is how I'm, this is how I am. If I'm not filling myself up with what God says about life, about me, then I'm filling my own head with whatever I think. But my thoughts, my feelings are not truth. They're not. This is truth, right? So we got to fill ourselves with this. We got to put some new tools in our toolbox and we can get it from this. And like David, we have to, we have to be careful. I have to be careful that um, our calling doesn't, doesn't trip us up. You're called. Did you know that? God has called you to do something with your life. God has called you to do something great. And Nathan called David out. God called David out. With his, with his story and with that statement asking, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil? He's calling him out. And he's calling him out so that he can show him, remind him that 
Hey, your actions have consequences. But also, he's calling him out so that he can call him up. Right? God has commissioned David. God has called David to do great things, to lead a legacy. But he's, his actions are not reflecting that. So God is saying, David, come on. That's not what I've sent you here for. That's not who you are. Remind yourself of who you are. Remind yourself of the calling that God has given you. God has placed a call on your life to affect the world around you in a positive way, to be the light of the world in a significant way. And we have to be careful to not allow our calling to carry us to a place that our character cannot keep us. Because if we don't watch that, if we don't watch our thoughts, that we'll end up like David doing what we want to do because we feel like doing it. This is the last verse for today. In Psalm chapter 119, David also writes this. He says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? If we want to stay on the path of purity, you know, purity is not a, a teenage message, right? It's for all of us. If we want to stay on the path of purity, live a good life, live a life that is with God. We got to live according to his word, to the word of God, to that, to that truth that we so often neglect, but so desperately need. David, uh, what God wanted for David is the same thing that he wants for us. God wanted David to live a life that was holy. And he wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to live a life that is holy. What does it mean to live a life that is holy? It means set apart, right? God has called us and has set us apart. God wants us to live differently than everyone else. But if we are going to live differently, we need to start by thinking differently. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth, God. Uh, we pray right now that you would just help us to renew our minds. Help us to fix our thoughts on you, on what is good and what is true. Not our own ideas, not our own feelings, God, but what you have to say. And you have to say so much to us through your voice, through your word. And I pray that you would help us to pay attention to that in these coming days, in this week, God. Help us to pay attention to what you have already spoken to us through your word and anything new that you might have to say to us. Help us build a new set of tools in our minds. Help us to think critically about what we currently are working with and what we're thinking about. Help us be critical about those thoughts and help us make room for new thoughts and new ideas from you, God. I pray right now a blessing over every mind represented in this room. I pray that you would just move in everyone's hearts move in everyone's minds, move in everyone's spirit and just transform their thoughts, transform my thoughts to reflect your goodness and to reflect your nature, God. We thank you for your power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, I wanna uh, give an opportunity for anyone who might um, want to take the first step in building a relationship with Jesus. Maybe for you, this is the first time that you have the chance to completely renew your life not just your mind but your whole life give it over to God 
God wants that today. God wants to enter into your mind, enter into your life, your heart, your spirit. God wants all of you, all of the bad thoughts, all of the things going on in your life and in your past. God wants all of it. And he wants to call you his. So if you're here today and you, you've never said that prayer, you've never accepted the free gift that Jesus gives us, I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I want you to pray with me. And as well, if um, maybe you have prayed this prayer at one point in your life, but you've kind of been walking off that trail a little bit. You've been stepping away from God. Now's the time to come back, right? Now's the time to return to his arms because he, he loves you just the same as the person who has never accepted him, the person who has lived their whole life for him. He loves you just the same. And so you can pray that prayer with me today. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your gift, God, your gift of salvation. God, you have done so much for us. You sent your son down to, down to earth so that he could die for our sins. And God, you raised him up. You came to look death in its face and defeat it. And God, we thank you for that. Because our sin, it weighs so heavy sometimes. Our, our thoughts, they can weigh so heavy because we know they're not from you. But God, I thank you for what you've done for us. I thank you that you have come to save us. You have come to cleanse us, God. And we just accept that right now. Anyone here who has not accepted that, I pray that they would take that step forward and that they would accept your free gift, knowing that they, from this point forward, are a new creation in you, God. And we pray for anyone who may have stepped away a little bit, who needs to kind of come back into your loving arms. I pray that they would do that. I pray that they would take that step as well. And they would realize that your love is the same today as it was many years ago. And that your love will sustain forever, God. I pray that your love, your forgiveness, your mercy would just cover every single person in this room. And that as we go out with our thoughts, with our feelings, with our actions, I pray that you would cover all of that. And I pray that you would move in our lives in a special and unique way. And anyone who's starting or renewing their relationship with you today, I pray that you would give a special blessing to them and help them to see that you are right there with them, that you have never left them alone. But God, through the battle in our minds, you are with us. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate with those who might have made that decision for the first time. So great. Hey, if that was you, if you just prayed that prayer with Michael to follow Jesus for the first time or you rededicated your life, really want to encourage you to take the Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you, fill it out, check off the box that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. Turn it into our info desk right there in the main lobby. We have a team who's going to celebrate with you and just cheer you on for that decision you made and also just give you some resources for your new journey of faith. Come on, what a great word about how our thoughts influence our realities by our very own Pastor Michael Leto. And so if we want to live differently, we need to start thinking differently. And so thank you, Pastor Michael, for sharing your heart with us. And thank you for how you so beautifully lead um, City Youth and uh, invest into the lives of the students. We are so grateful for you. Uh, well, hey, we wanted to let you know some exciting things happening this week and just remind you of some announcements. But hey, if uh, I'm sure you got an email, parents who registered your kids, VBS 
is happening all week this week, our Vacation Bible School for our, our, our city kids. We're so excited for it. So I'm gonna actually invite you to stand this morning. We're actually gonna pray over our VBS program that's gonna happen this week as we get ready to go here. Parents who registered your kids, just a reminder, you'll get an email with all those details, but we have, uh, I, don't, I think it's like 60 kids who will be flooding our church all week, uh, just learning more about Jesus from grades one to five all week long. We have a bunch of volunteers coming in, serving. I think call time is beautiful, 8 a.m. I am not a morning person, so that sounds like 5 a.m. to me, you know what I mean? Uh, But we're gonna lift them up in prayer just as we kind of get ready to host all of our kids and then we'll dismiss together, okay? Let me pray for them. Father, just thank you so much for what you're doing. We thank you for the opportunity to actually host a VBS here at the City Church. We say a prayer for every single kid attending um, the program this week, Father. I thank you that you just, yeah, would help them see you more clearly. Thank you for beautiful little seeds that are planted about your heart and your nature. And thank you so much that that would produce fruit in their lives. We thank you that there is no one too young to encounter you. Again, Father, we say a prayer for our lead team and our staff and our, our city team that's coming. I thank you, Father, just, yeah, freshmen in our sales. Give us divine eyes to help serve uh, our kids this week. And Father, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in the next generation. Thank you that your heart is for them, that they can move closer to you. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yes, we are so excited. Make sure you keep us in your prayers with all the littles running around here all week long. This is also me. All right. Well, if you came to church (laughs) hoping for someone to pray with you or for you, our lead team, they're actually coming down in the front of the stage. They'd be more than happy to pray with you for anything that you're hoping for. They're going to greet you with a big smile. I promise you they are not intimidating and they will pray for you this morning. Hey, to celebrate another fun summer Sunday, we have snow cones for you outside. And so make sure you head out. The, the main doors and turn to the left to grab one. Yes, they are purposely placed outside, okay? First of all, make sure you pick up your kids at City Kids. Don't grab a snow cone first. Go <laughs> grab your kids. Then help us keep our building snow cone stain free by not bringing your snow cone back into a carpeted area. That is why they are outside. All right? Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us for Summer Sundays. We love you. We'll see you next week at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m.